0: Hello, and welcome to the Lacey Alderson Show. I'm so excited to have you guys listening in today. I happen to have a a girl on. The last two have been gentlemen. And this lady is not just any lady. She is the special lady, if you will. She's somebody I've looked up to pretty much my whole life. Um, As long as I've known her, she's somebody that in so many different areas of my life has inspired me. And to have her finally be able to make the show with her busy schedule is a treat for all of you, I promise. So sit tight, listen, um, and see what you can get out of today. We're going to talk about... All of our normal stuff, along with a little bit of mental health, we're going to talk about fitness, but I would first and foremost like to welcome to the stage, Lisa King. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much,
1: Lacey, for having me on. I know you have a plethora of people to choose from, so I feel honored. Well,
0: I'm really happy to have you here. And as we get started today, we cannot start without thanking our sponsor, Pink Box Donuts in the House. Um, I don't really have any in studio today because Lisa and I are both somewhat fitness related at this point. Lisa looks a lot better than I do. She did not gain the 24 COVID pounds that I did that I've shared with you all, but um, she's probably not eating the donuts. So I try to, try to be a little bit nice and leave the donuts off the table, but doesn't mean Pink Box is not with us today. They've got the cutest Halloween donuts out. I don't know if you guys have seen them. They look like Frankenstein and jack-o'-lanterns and witches and all kinds of things. So if you live in Las Vegas, if you love donuts, even if you don't, you have to know somebody who does please hit up pink box donuts. Um, I promise you they are literally the life of any party. When you walk in the door with that box, you become kind of a hero. So pink box donuts, hit them up. Thank you again for them and all that they do. And let's just jump right into shit today, Lisa. Let's let's talk about you. What have you been up to? How did you get here? Who are you? Walk us through. Let my audience get to know you the way that I've got to know you. From day one, how did we get here to 2020?
1: (laughs) Um, well, you can pick any one of our personalities, uh, my <laughs> personalities, um, and uh, we could talk about that. Um, so, I think I got to know you just from the fitness side of things, um, and our life just kind of meshed from there. Um, I have been in Muay Thai, in in the circle, trained it, fought. Um, I commentate, I ring announce, and I've done that for over 25 years here in Las Vegas. I do it internationally. I've done it in Thailand and um, overseas many times, um, and that's where I got to know you. Uh, I was training one of your friends. Somehow, some way, we were introduced, and it was game over at that point. Um, you had me at hello.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I do want to tell you that it, when I first met Lisa, you meet her, and you're like, okay, she's a really, like, you know, pretty vivacious human being. You're kind of naturally attracted to her. Her energy is good. She's not somebody even, I think I've known you now for 10 years off and on. Um, She's not somebody that you would ever think, oh, this person has a bad day. She just really shows up with that happy, vivacious, loving type of energy that you want to be around. Um, And I did remember meeting her thinking, this is somebody I want to spend more time with. This is somebody I want to get to know a little bit better. So we definitely did meet on a fitness end, but you had a life way before that. Are you from Las Vegas?
1: Um, Originally, I was born in Vegas. I was raised on a farm in Oregon. Basically, my mother's from Brooklyn, New York, and just kind of got sick of the city life. And she said, I'm going to raise my children as... um, simply as possible away from you know any of the dangers of a big city and so we went to a town of 15,000 people and we had two of every animal you could imagine Mm -hmm. everybody had matching names heckle and Jekyll, and you know (laughs) uh, uh things of that nature if anybody follows me on social media you know my love for animals is real and that's where it started so um yeah
0: just so everybody knows what is your handle, if they're not listening or following you now, they need to be.
1: It's Lisa the Black Widow King, or on Instagram, I think it's the Black Widow Ten. And people always ask what that means. That just meant that there was ten other people who came up with that handle before I did. So,
0: <laughs> ten other Black Widows running around.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of Black Widows running around,
0: run killing. Just lots of killings <laughs> going on. Okay, so you had this kind of great childhood. It sounds like, and then you end up back in Vegas. How did that happen?
1: Um. I moved back in the nineties and just basically the economy went to, uh, it just tanked in Oregon at the time. There was this big environmental save the owls and the lumber industry is pretty prevalent there and they were shutting everything down. It was kind of like COVID is now, except then you just, no one had a job. Everybody who had worked in the lumber industry, um, was no longer employed, and so my parents were moving to Vegas, because that's where my grandparents were at the time, and they were just going to start anew. I figured I'd be here for a year, and that was 30 years ago, so <laughs> I'm really good at goal setting. <laughs> <laughs> <No>.
0: Killed it. <laughs> uh-huh. Killing it every day. Every day. We're just adding on the days to that to that goal. So you get here, you come back, you're, you're roughly how old in the 90s? You don't uh, have to tell us your exact age, but your high school age, or you're where are you? No,
1: I had already graduated, so... Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't know what I was gonna do, kinda had an idea what I wanted to do, and just, uh, I guess, flubbed my way until I figured it out. I'm, I'm still figuring it out, to be honest with you. It's one of the things I love about you, <laughs> just because aren't we all just still trying to fucking figure it out?
0: <laughs> um, some of us do it more eloquently, however. The process is a little bit more eloquent. Um, and when we talk about you and getting here and trying to figuring it out, what, what was one of the first things you really tried to dive into? You come back here in the 90s, you don't know how long you're going to be here for, you tackle what? What becomes your first project or what becomes your first
1: idea of where you want to head professionally? Um, well, first thing I did was um, decided that I was going to go to beauty school. That was a great idea, um, and after being there and going through school, I decided I absolutely never wanted to um, be in that space a day in my life. I've never worked in a salon a day in my life. So um, I just look at it as a life skill that everybody should have. Um, Not that I do my own hair or my nails or anything else for that matter, but I, God forbid, there's a international pandemic. Uh I do know how to do my nails and I had to break out those skills for a while. I was uh, doing my nails, doing my daughter's nails and taking out extensions, putting in extensions. Oh. I was just that go-to. And who knew I had those skills?
0: But you were not going to neglect. There was no <laughs> neglecting that beauty going on during the rest of us look like hammered shit. I had like a side ponytail. I was puffy. My acrylics got taken off. I look like I've been digging in dirt. Lisa's out here. Vava, vavoom.
1: Honing skills she had well, there five she, million years uh-huh. ago. But but you kept them and you did them. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so I did that. And then one of the things that I always wanted to do was work in the healthcare space. I really, there there wasn't a lot of reason why I needed to, but there was at the same time. Growing up, my mother had um, multiple sclerosis, which is a neurological um, disease. And so I got to see, in a very small town of 15,000 people, good healthcare and bad healthcare. And although there's not a caretaking bone in my body, um, I had to dive in and help where, where necessary. And it was actually quite scary to me. Um, and then my aunt, while I was in high school, she went in for some stomach pain and she never came out because I ended up finding out that she had, um, stomach cancer and she passed away. So to me, not knowing how the body works or, um, you know, how healthcare works, I decided I had this great idea that I needed to work in oncology. And I I tell this story often when people say, how'd you get into healthcare? I just decided, because obviously, um, you know, the beauty industry was not going to be my thing, um, that I was going to work in oncology. So not knowing, and sometimes that's the best way to go about things, um, I just went to an oncology office here in Las Vegas and asked to speak to the administrator and let her know that I was interested in a position in the oncology office. And she said, what medical experience do you have? Of which I said, none. But I worked in horticulture in um, Oregon. So I'm sure that's quite similar. Parallels. Uh Caring for plants and people. Mm -hmm. Same, same. Mm. Um, And she told me, uh, sorry, you have no medical terminology, X, Y, Z, go take these 5,000 classes and call me later. So um, then I decided I really wanted it because she told me I couldn't have it. Of course. um, So I'll give a shout out to her. Um, Her name is Marlene. And so I went back probably every month for about eight months, Um, just once a month, just checking in to see if there was anything coming available and finally one day I showed up and you know right place right time right stalker attitude of course and um, I said you know she said well we just had someone walk off the job can you be here tomorrow and I was like "Uh, sure and she said we've got two doctors with very strong accents a Pakistanian doctor and a Korean I presume you don't speak either and I was like nope she said okay so you have no medical terminology you don't speak the language, but we're going to give you a day. You probably won't make it the next day. So the rest is history. I showed up. It went well. I asked her at the end of the day if I got to come back the next day. You know, five years later, I was there and Jeez. then finally moved on to my next role in healthcare. care. And um, to this day, I'm still friends with that doctor and the whole office. Hello, Janine and Mary. <laughs> and... Um, Jen and Sue and everybody else that I still stay in contact with um, you know it was a fun little group and we're like family to this day but that's where I got my start and um, I'm still to this day I work in the healthcare setting.
0: You said something a minute ago and there's this word that I found almost everybody that I've had on this show or come have come into contact with there's this word persistence that I think it's truly what is separating people and um, From the gate, if you will, I just I feel like people that are persistent and people who are told no and continue to go in and like you said, you didn't need to keep following up. You could have month could have gone by, you could have lost track. But that fact you continued to stay on and on, eventually got you where you wanted. How has persistence played any other role in your life? Is there any other examples you can give us where you've had that persistence? You really wanted something because you, by definition, Lisa King, are the queen of persistence, whether you realize it or not.
1: Um. I I think that that's uh, I mean I think I use the word stalker you use the word persistence it's you know, it goes hand in hand um, I I think that that's just the name of my game um, whether it was the healthcare arena or um, if it was even in the martial arts circle um, there's a lot of things that I am traditionally told. Uh, No, that's probably not for you, in which, like many people out there, I I have a lot of friends with the same mindset, you included, as soon as you're told no, um, it's almost a game, it's a challenge at that point. Um, So once you get it in your mind, um, you move forward. I mean, fighting. When I got into Muay Thai in the 90s, I got into it because I saw Karate Kid, like half the other martial artists out there, and I just figured, I need this in my life, I need a Mr. Miyagi. And... I went from studio to studio to find the style that I wanted, Um, and while I was there, um, many people said, you know, you could get hurt, you could get this, this isn't for girls, blah, 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 and as soon as I was told I couldn't, I can't tell you how much more I wanted it, and I would have to say that my um, persistence and willingness to not listen to others has probably been one of my bigger successes in, you know, any of the different things that I've gotten involved in.
0: Now, you mentioned Muay Thai, and I know you said in the beginning as well, let's walk down what that looked like. You just kind of set the tone. Okay, listen, the sport I want to get into, I was told, you know, girls know, um, girls less than, whatever it may have been, the terminology at the time, but it wasn't something that set you back. Walk me through your career, because you've done quite a few things. You've done reality TV, you've kicked some ass. You've, you know, to this day, I think it's something that a principle's within you that um, you still continue to hold on to and to honor. Um, how did this all begin, or why Muay
1: Thai? Well, for me, again, I went into different gyms to learn different styles. I grew up with um, two brothers who were always boxing. Um, I loved the sport, thought it was a little scary to watch. Um, but I I had a lot of respect for it. Again, with Karate Kid, I just thought it was just really cool to have a a person pushing you in a direction and overcoming any of the obstacles that you might have. Um, So when I found Muay Thai, and I probably went to 10 different types of styles or gyms before that, um, I found Master Toddy. And Master Toddy is as close to a Mr. Miyagi as I have found. He's very unorthodox in his training, Um, how he speaks to you, how he tells you how to improve. He walks around with a base a wiffle ball bat. And -hmm. if your feet aren't right or your hands aren't right, you know, instead of reaching out and touching you, he just takes out the wiffle ball bat and, you know, Uh taps you (laughs) in a loving fashion. um and uh but he's just he's a character unto himself i've said it a million times and he's very motivational so if i had to be anywhere for an hour two or three a day i wanted to be around something like that
0: so you get into it and you grow through the sport and what happens to you or how how do you start to evolve now talk to our audience like they know nothing about Muay Thai because a lot of people, I think they take it for granted. MMA is so popular now, um, but I don't think they really understand. You were kind of one of, at least here in, in the Valley, you were definitely, you know, a pioneer for the sport. What did it look
1: like then versus now? So again, you <clears throat> taking it back mid-90s, there was definitely boxing. Um, you had Layla Lee and Christy Martin in the boxing realm. There wasn't a lot of female boxers, but they were out there. Um, had uh, we we didn't even really have UFC. I think it had just started in the um, the 90s, and at the time it kind of looked blood sport ish. There wasn't as many rules as there are today. It wasn't as structured, I guess you can say. So, um, so for me to go in there, there were definitely females training at the gym. But there was just really kind of a handful of us. Um, and so we would have to train with men and not that it was a bad thing, but you know, it does hurt the bigger you are, you know, <laughs> I'm five, five at the time I was fighting at one fifteen, um, And it, you know, you definitely, you learned everything was controlled in a gym. It's not like people were going a hundred percent Well, you were going more for technique than you were for knockouts. That was just never allowed. Um, but, I, I remember putting my daughter in um, Muay Thai at the time as well. And I can tell you, not only for me did it teach me discipline, it taught control, it taught confidence in in training in martial arts. And I was really only doing it for fitness to begin with. But for my daughter, it became an extra family for her. And it was really, like I just said, for me, confidence discipline. If she wasn't doing her schoolwork, it was not, you know, you need to go to your room. It was, well, I'm going to tell Master Toddy. And ooh, ooh, ooh. it doesn't get scarier <laughs> than that, because I would. And I could tell her 20 times And Master Toddy told her it was a done deal. So mm-hmm. I was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. So, um, you know, it was just really a family. And it was probably the best decision I think that I have made. And I stay true to that.
0: Now I'm sure there's people listening. They've got daughters, and maybe they think, "Gosh, I'd like to get my daughter involved in some form of a discipline like that, either for self-defense or fitness." But they think, "Gosh, it seems so violent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems so scary. It seems, you know, these people get the shit beat out of them." Um, did you have that fear when your daughter went in? Did you see maybe that violent side of it transform within her? Did she become tougher become because of it, or was it something that you know maybe? created more rage in her? Did you notice anything or anything you could help these these moms maybe know a little bit more about the sport and that violent side?
1: That's that's a great question. Again, before I was involved in it, I probably would have thought all of the same things. So um, for those that don't have a visual of what it is, if you have watched UFC, pretty much anything standing is usually Muay Thai. It's a science of eight limbs. That means you're using your hands and your elbows. The sharpest bones in your body, you're using your knees, your shins. Um, when you go to a gym, it is... If you go to the right gym, I mean, I've I've seen horror stories, but for the most part, most of the real gyms out there, uh, you would want to go in there. You'd want to, you know, watch the class or try a class. Usually they'll give you a week free and, you know, go with your gut level feeling. If if you're loving what you see, you know, get involved. If you're not, move on to the next gym. But it's 100% controlled. You might be going 20% and, you know, you might see a fight on TV going, oh, no, I don't want that for my child. But that's not what's happening in the gym. Um, you, you're not hitting to the face. You've got headgear on. You've got shin guards on. You're hitting to the shoulders to, you know, to mimic if you were hitting to the face. You are, you know, just showing control and not hurting your opponent. It's respect, a lot of respect, which is, uh, you know, a good portion of what martial arts is about, um, But to answer your question, I think all of those kids in there are probably some of the most well-behaved children. And no, they weren't coming out black and blue. Um, They had more respect at home and in school. And, you know, it just becomes a lifestyle, you know, and learning fitness at any age is is not a bad deal. It just I find it so funny because a lot of these parents are like, oh, soccer,
0: and, you know, i got a daughter, she's going to play softball, and she's going to um, do volleyball, and I think these are all great, you know, but I think there's something to be said about the martial arts just because... Um, I believe you hit it really on the head there's this form of respect but at the same time there's the self-defense part of it I'm sure your daughter to this day whether she still continues to participate or not um, you know she's going to be a little bit less nervous walking through an alley as opposed to her girlfriend who you know did ballet for 10 years not that one's better than the other but there is a sense of that self-confidence and awareness that I, I wish more of our young ladies had um Your son and daughter both participated, correct?
1: Yes. So, um, again, my daughter started when she was four, and she continued with it until, well, she still does it. Um, (laughs) I won't give her age because she'll probably kill me. (laughs) But yeah, she's been doing it for you know a lot of years, over twenty years, and um, she loves Muay Thai. And. You are correct. I was the mom beforehand who got her into soccer and dance and gymnastics, and she didn't want to stay with anything. I got her into instruments, and you know, I tried everything. That was not her thing, and you got to find your thing. Um, For my son, I got him into Muay Thai early, um, and he loved it, but he wanted to do boxing, and he did jujitsu, but he found judo, and absolutely loved judo, so he was doing judo and jujitsu, but he also has a Muay Thai background, and to this day, I mean, anything is possible, but their confidence is is key. My daughter started fighting at 14, and to, for her, um, she, she's the type that doesn't necessarily enjoy a crowd, whereas my happiness is a crowd. Um, so she <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she didn't like that pressure, but she loves going to the gym. That's a great way to, you know, to exercise, to have that extra family support. And, um, you know, it's a, just a great fitness. Um, I will tell a story, please, please. Uh, you talked about the confidence and walking through an alley. And, um, you know, I, I never had to worry about her getting into fights at school, because she, After school, she'd go to the gym for two, three hours and spar, and she just didn't have that need to, you know, (laughs) to fight anymore because she was going to do it for many hours after school. Um, But it was probably about five years ago. And no, it was probably longer than that. It was was probably eight years ago, I'm going to say. I can remember I was out of the country, I think. I was commentating... Um, in Thailand, I think for Riddick Bo. he was um, you know a boxer who got into Muay Thai, and so they flew me out there. It was really really cool to get that opportunity. And I get a call from um, my daughter who said, "Mom, I just want to let you know I'm okay." As a mom, oh, oh, your heart drops a, a ton. And I'm out of the country. I'm I'm not there to go save the day. And I was like, "What happened?" And she said, "Well, I was I went to a birthday." event on the strip here in Las Vegas. And um, she said it was probably 4 o'clock in the afternoon. She left. And she had just got a brand new car. um, And it was actually one that our mutual friend helped her get. Uh So she was all happy. It was one of the first couple cars that she had bought in her own. And she was very proud of it, but it was brand new and shiny. And so she pulls out on the strip. Someone takes something and throws it at her car. Okay. So she said, you know, I hear you in my head going, don't lose it. Don't lose (laughs) your mind. Um, But she she said, I let it go. And thinking maybe they did not knoweth what they were doing. Um, So she gets to the next light. They roll down the window and they're yelling at her. And she said, you know, I'm thinking maybe I cut them off. Like, I I don't know how I could have. It's pretty slow here on the strip, but maybe it was me. (sighs) So she's just like, Okay, you roll up the windows, just ignore them. They get to another light, and they throw something at her car again. Okay, all right. So she's driving her car, her boyfriend's in there. He, at the time, um, ex-boyfriend, I should say, he uh, didn't train in martial arts, and he got out of the car, which we all know you just don't do. You don't do. And she knew not to do it, but he gets out, and then, you know, he's probably about 5'9", and out come two, six, two. You bet. And they decide to start beating him um, like like any horrible scene we've all seen on social media. So she has no choice. I mean, she wants to call the police, but she also is fearing for his life. Sure. So she's trying everything she can to get the guys away from him. I mean, she just said, Mom, it was bad. I really thought that they were (sighs) going to kill him. So she, you know, just finally just starts punching one of the guys in the face that was just really slamming uh, her boyfriend into the cement. And um, so he turns and... And now it turns the attention off of him and goes to her. And she is fighting him. Next thing you know, a girl, she's like, mom, I didn't know there there was a girl. And she said, next thing I know, this girl is squared up at me. And I said, oh, my God, what happened? She goes, oh, I don't know. I just, everything went black. And I said, you got knocked out? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) That's when the rage took over. <laughs> she goes, she went to go swing. I dunked, uh, ducked under, I uh-huh. uh, came over the top. She falls on the ground. I grab, jump on top of her and I'm grounding and pounding uh-huh. her. And she said, now the boyfriend's trying to get me off of her. Uh-huh. And she said, um, she said, finally, they were like, let's get out of here. And she said, so I grabbed my phone, took a picture of the license plate. Okay. And, um, she's so your
0: daughter. <laughs> she is so your daughter.
1: So she called one of my friends who was a police officer. They ended up being able to find these people who had a, were just here for the weekend. They rented a car, easy to trace. <sighs> However, what was funny is I got a call because from one of her friends, boyfriends who said, and I just want to tell you what happened. I guess because everybody left this party, they were several cars down. And so they saw a commotion going on and he looks up and right when it was ending and he's like, I think that's Courtney because people think these fights last a long time. They don't really last no, a long time. It's true. You yeah. might feel like you're fighting for forever, but three minutes could be the longest three minutes of Absolutely. your life. And so he said, you know, I take off running. Cause I was like, I think that's Courtney. And he told his girlfriend, oh. but by the time he got up there, it was all said and done. But you know, most interesting, it was a Saturday and there was a million people on the strip. No one, not a single person jumped in to kind of help the cause. It was just her amongst Several people. Jeez. Now her boyfriend went to the hospital. Uh, uh-huh. and she, I sent of her course. to my chiropractor. <laughs> Shout out to Shaw Chiropractic. And uh, he was like, "Now, nah, Lisa, she's totally good. There's nothing wrong with uh, her. Uh, Gave her a quick adjustment, and she was on her way." So, but that's the kind of world we live in now,
0: where we pull up to a stoplight and somebody throws something at us, and it escalates. It's like things are not what they used to be. It's this is where it's at. I just. I don't, I'm i so impressed by martial arts, and I wish I would have gotten into it younger. You know, I really didn't get to get into it as much as I would have liked it. Lisa and I trained to get, I should, let me rephrase that. Lisa and I did not train together. <laughs> Lisa trained me. <laughs>
1: we trained together. <laughs>
0: a little bit. We uh-huh. weren't just doing
1: pad work. We uh-huh. were sparring we, and we were, you we, know, killing each other. It was caused, amazing.
0: We'd cause a scene sometimes at the park after work. <laughs> um, but I can tell you that you, like, would leave those workouts on such a high and feel so um, empowered and strong. And I just, I feel like self-defense... When I was younger, I think they'd say, oh, we're having a women's self-defense class. And I'd always kind of roll my eyes thinking, oh, gosh, what are you going to teach me? You know, what's going to happen? But nowadays, you you kind of have to have some of that under your belt. The world is changing. The world is scary. Um, so I love to hear that story, story of Courtney. And I love to hear, you know, her ability to support her environment and wherever she is. Because nowadays, it's just, it's it, it really is everywhere. Um, did you ever have any encounters like that? Maybe where you weren't on the mat, but somebody kind of came. You're, you're cute in a package. So I know Courtney is too, but... Um, people kind of see you, and I think they take for granted. They think, oh, she's got little cute high heels on, and her cute hair, and her beautiful smile, and her dresses. And, I mean, you'll you'll whoop someone's ass. <laughs> I mean, you are scary. Have you had any of that in person? I,
1: I had a situation. Um, it was, I'm going to say, probably 2006 or 2007. At that time, um, I was doing a reality show on Oxygen called Fight Girls. And it was... A, a, master toddy show. And um, we did an eight week series, we did a two hour movie. um, And so it was pretty readily available. And there was a point where my daughter looked out the window, it was probably eight or nine o'clock at night, it was dark. And she said, Mom, there's someone in the bushes." and uh, outside of your home yeah okay. well she just had a weird feeling sure. like she, she heard something or you know whatever so she moved up the blinds and she's like you know I she's like there's someone in the bushes i'm like what and there was just someone that i knew who just wasn't happy with i'm not interested in hanging out and my phone rings after my daughter saw a head just kind of like duck into the bushes um and they said uh hey what are you doing i'm like what are you doing <laughs> And, uh, you know, I didn't dislike the person. Sure. I just wasn't dating them. Right. And um, so they said, hey, I'm I'm in the neighborhood. I said, you don't say. <laughs> you um, bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you're really close. I bet you're super close. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, those movies where you're like, don't open the door, <laughs> you know, don't go outside, uh-huh. you know, just like, they're so stupid. But, you know, knowing this person, and I'd already been training for many, many years. And, you know, there is a level of confidence. And sometimes it's just... I guess you just, you expect more from people. So they said, yeah, no, I'm here. Um, you know, I, uh, can I just talk to you for, for a few minutes? And I had someone in my home doing some work on my home. Um, and so I didn't think it was a big deal. I have, you know, this individual upstairs working on my computers. I had my son who was small and um, but, he's probably five years old, and my daughter was there. But you're a single mom at the time, right? But I am a single mom. Okay, so it's you basically head of household. Yes. Okay, keep on. sorry. So um, so finally, against my better wishes, I said, you got to make it quick, but, you know, whatever. They have something important to say. And so I open the door, and they say, who's in the house? Oh, gosh. And I'm like, what? And then they body slam me. And, you know, this is a gentleman who's, you know— 5'10", maybe 180, 190, passive personality, would have never, ever, ever guessed it. And um, so I, at that point, per my daughter... She said, Mom, I want to go raise my hand. And she said, and then you just went into motion. (laughs) And she said, you front kicked him and front kicked him and front kicked him and then grabbed his head and slammed it into the wall. And then you got him outside quicker, and then you were like, call the police. And she said it was just over so quick. And it's different when you fight. People always say, what's the difference between fighting? Well, in a fight, you are matched up against someone that you are mentally prepared for that's your height your weight your experience level and you know like you just go in there you got a corner telling you what to do and you're just kind of going through the motions in a situation like this it seemed like the matrix I was deciding what I was doing and it seemed like 30 seconds in between each thing I did whereas my daughter was like mom it was so quick it was crazy quick and so then you know I my daughter calls the police they show up and then the first thing the, the officer had said was you know because the individual is still there he said um
0: are you the black widow
1: okay and I said I'm sorry what and okay. they were like my wife and I watch you every week on tv <laughs> and then they turned to the individual and they were like what were you thinking don't you know who she is don't you know what she does and they were like I just didn't think it was applicable
0: Oh you, oh, you didn't. Okay. Uh, so, you anyways, you basically came at Neo from the Matrix, Agent Smith. And- well, I've, it
1: was so slow. It really was Matrix slow. It was the weirdest thing ever, and so yeah, that was that was my my situation. I, I'm
0: sorry I think that's so badass I just I think you're the most badass you know how I feel about that but it is funny how mama bear kicks in too because you're kind of like you're coming into my home my kids are home it's not an
1: option and you're just going to go down that's the only way it's going to be well and I really was I was not worried about me it just was not um a thought in my mind I was just like oh my god my baby's upstairs you know i at the time he's 4 or 5 years old I don't care how much training but I was just like you're not getting to my kids and yeah. my daughter was literally to the right of me kind of behind the door cuz she's the one who knew someone was in the the bushes but you know, I, I have taught a lot of women's self-defense and I always just say, go with your gut level feeling. We really know it. I knew to not to answer the door, but I did know this individual. So, um, you know, listen to those gut level Please. instincts because it happens so quick and you better know what the heck you're doing.
0: Well, and with COVID right now, I mean, if you're in the gun industry, you're making a killing, you know, and that's, it's sad in some ways that that's the way that it's become, but you know, I, I am Pro 2A, obviously, but gun sales are through the roof, ammo's through the roof, um, and a lot of women are afraid to touch guns. There's something about a gun that that scares them, so I think if you're not getting self-defense classes at this point, if you don't know how to you know, protect yourself, protect your family, whether you're single or whether, and it's the same for men. I mean, it really is no difference. I, I hate to kind of block it off at one gender, but if you're a, a father and you're head of household or you're single and you've got your kids at home, it's important in 2020 to know how to defend yourself because things are changing. Things are escalating. And, um, with an example of, of Lisa, you know, being a, a head of household as a mother, I just think it says that much more to where we need to be and the accountability that we really need to have to take care of ourselves and our family. Uh, you did mention a minute ago in terms of, you know, protecting yourself, that this person was a fan of your show. The show, I remember actually watching the show not knowing you at the time. So it was kind of funny. I remember one weekend I binge watched it and I didn't realize it was you. And even when I met you, I didn't put two and two together. <laughs> but how did that show change you? Or what, what did you get out of that show?
1: Um. So, the show kind of um it was kind of funny how the show came to fruition um I was ring announcing for um some fights at master toddy's i'm gonna have to say early two two thousands, mm-hmm. and you know i'm I'm just a big fan of big uh you know right place right time so that night, I think master toddy called me, and I was not supposed to be ring announcing and he's like you know, in a master toddy sort of way, baby, baby, everything always starts with baby, baby. And you know, you're going to be asked to do something and saying no is usually not an option. He's like, (laughs) what are you doing tonight? I'm like, I don't know, just X, Y, and Z. And um, he said, I I had a ring announcer, he's sick or something. Can you ring announce?" And I was like, "Uh, uh, no, sir, that kind of requires hair, makeup, clothes, you know, it's, (laughs) can you ne- give me more time next time? And he's like, I need you. Oh, And so I'll see you here at this time. I was like, okay, great. Yeah, I'll be right there. Sure. So anyways, um, I show up. And at that point, I was doing a lot of smokers. Those were, you know, you show up at a gym, and they find people that kind of look like they might be your weight and you warm up on cardboard like break dancers and they match (laughs) you up (laughs) and you fight and you hope for the best because there's really no commission no nothing they became yeah this is old school and um they ended up for safety reasons and it was probably the best going away from smokers but those were those were fun fun times um lots of people from the gym um were doing it Gina Crono myself Kevin Ross um Sean Arborough, there was just so many of us that would just drive down to California for the night and fight and come back. So anyways, I just got off of a smoker. I'm still recovering, but I've got another fight coming up in a month. And Master Toddy's like, talk about the fight. It's going to be at the Stardust, which, you know, that was our stomping grounds. We always had fights there. And um, so I'm... I'm ring announcing and master Totti would, you know, point to me, tell him about the fight. Cause he's, you know, wants us to promote his promotion. So I'm like, oh, make sure you check us out next month at the stardust hotel where yours truly will be fighting, <laughs> you know? And so I'm making these gratuitous plugs and I don't know who's in the audience. And some this gentleman comes up to Master Totti and is like, does she really fight? He's like, yeah, she fights, and he's like, like, you're not kidding, like, you're not like, like, powder puff fighting, real fighting, right, and he's like, yeah, and he's like, do you have footage on her, and he's like, yes, I do, and so he's like, if you can get that for me, he goes, I actually might need some talent for a show that we're doing on ESPN next Thursday, so, um, you know, but I'm gonna need a couple other girls, and, um, And so, you know, if I can get in touch with her, maybe Monday. So, Master Toddy says, well, just call Lisa and see what you can set up. So, they call. Um, I ended up bringing um, with me um, a a new person in the martial arts scene who certainly needs no introduction. That was Gina Carano and um, Latasha Marzola. And uh, we get flown down and picked up in limos and flown down to uh, L.A. And we do the show called ESPN's I Do Anything and Little did we know, uh, you know, we were going to be up against three guys who were just, they were told they were going for a boxing lesson, and our coolest paycheck was being able to beat them up for three minutes, and whoever threw in the towel first basically, you know, lost the challenge. I love uh, it. I love it. It was one of my cooler paychecks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So long story short, afterwards, they were like, you know, let's go to dinner, let's talk, you know, what are you guys doing with this? And, you know, there's the marketing side of me because that's what I do in healthcare. and Mm -hmm. they said, Well, you know, we want to, you know, be noticed for what we do. We want to showcase what women can do in the ring. There's a lot of things on MTV for I want to be a real-life fighter and this, that, whatever. But there's tons of women in the sport. We would love to, um, you know, have something that showcases us, you know, even if it's a documentary or something like that. And so... um, One of the producers that I was talking to, not knowing their history, was someone from Survivor. The other one was a gentleman from, who owned Charlie's Angels. So, um, you know, I was in the right company, and they said, can we talk to you uh, on Monday? And I said, sure. So we storyboarded what I was thinking might transpire, of course, with um, Master Toddy's oversight. And we did a show that kind of turned into just um, a pilot, if you will, for what turned into... um, Fight Girls. So we, I think we did that in maybe 2004. They used that footage to spark the interest of Oxygen, and then they turned it into Fight Girls, which was a two-hour show, a two-hour movie, and then from then, they picked us up for another eight-week season. Um, from there, I, I have always been commentating and always ring announcing. And when I say always, I would say since mid 90s. But of course, it brought it more to the forefront of, um, you know, other people seeing um you know, all of us. I you know, there is a lot of notoriety from a lot of those fighters. You've got um Miriam Nakamoto was on there. Um you got Gina Carano, you had Michelle Watterson, everybody knows the Karate Hottie. Um And, you know, everybody kind of branched out and did their own thing after the show. So I think it was really good for female fighting. And I I think even uh, Ronda Rousey had said after watching Gina, because Gina just started in MMA after that. And after watching her, Ronda became, you know, the sensation. She went from judo to MMA. And obviously, she certainly needs no introduction. She's, you know, killed it in her career. But it just spun a whole new um, genre of fighters, the female fighters. And when we were doing fight girls, Dana White said he would never ever have females, uh, fighting on his show. Um, and that was actually quoted in time magazine. And, uh, you know, here we are today. So a lot has evolved in that amount of time. It's crazy. I literally have the chills right now. I'm showing them to Lisa because, um,
0: I am just such an advocate for women. I mean, those of you who listen to my podcast with my mom, obviously, before, I mean, I was raised by an anti-feminist feminist, feminist, if you will. (laughs) So, I mean, I grew up as a tomboy. I was never really, um, I was was not girly. If you know me to this day, I'm still not super girly. But these women that paved the way for us to be who we are and to, you know, these women that basically came in on the ground level and I know there were fighters before you Lisa. I'm well aware and, and like, tons of them yeah tons. so there, I, I, I get that but there's there's these shows and these things and like I said I remember watching the show and being like this is badass and feeling empowered just even watching it and those are the moments and hear Dana say that it's like we can't all help but laugh right now you know right women thought that men meant that we were just going to kind of stay at this level and yet we continue to grow and I just think you know, your presence in that and your, and your participation in that. And even coming up to present day, I want to talk about the MC stuff in a minute, but that wasn't your last time on TV with, um, Fight Girls. You had something a little bit more recently. Can we talk about that?
1: Um, so I, I think you're referencing Kingdom. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so that, that was really, it seems like a two second of fame thing, but it was really cool. So I have, um, again, had the amazing honor of commentating, doing post-fight interviews, ring announcing, just basically whatever is needed of me. If they call and say, hey, we need someone for this, I just become that person. And um, I've been working with California Fight League, I'm going to say it's either four or five years now. And that is a a ridiculous group of fighters and trainers and people, matchmakers um, that I just, I can't speak enough of them. Um, they're located in Victorville, California. And I don't know if that's the only thing you can do in Victorville, California, (laughs) but those people put on a show. I mean, they are, it's one, it's it's such a top notch promotion. So, um, Joe Stevenson is, um, He oversees Cobra Kai and Victorville, and he's a trainer. He is a commentator. He is amazing. He's just, he's got his hands in everything. And you guys know him from UFC, and um, he's just, he's a force to be reckoned with. Well, of course, as I'm working alongside him, um, he says to me one day, he's like, King, what weight are you at? And I tell him, and I'm, you know, you just get used to that in the fight world. It's no longer, oh, that's not polite to ask. You just (laughs) shout it out like it's no big deal. Um, and he's like, okay, I might need you for something on kingdom this week. So stay ready. Okay. I don't really know what that means, but okay. So then he calls me back and he's like, okay, so we're, we're using someone else. And I'm like, I really wasn't set on that anyways. Cause you didn't tell me what I was doing. So, you know, heart's not broken, but you know, call me if you need me. So then I get a call a few weeks later. Um, and it says, you know, I'm a, um, am I'm, I'm a director, director, or, um, you know, putting something together for the next show. And I wanted to see if you'd be available, you know, one of these weeks in December. And I said, sure, Um, for what? And they're like, we don't exactly know, but you know, if you could just, I don't know, keep us, you know, stay ready because it could be whatever. So I don't know if I'm commentating. I don't know if I'm fighting. I don't know if I'm, you know, doing what, but, um, long story short, then they send me a script and, um, it was pretty cool (laughs) because, um, you know, everybody else says, you know, and I'm not going to totally give it away because the show is so amazing and it's on Netflix right now, but, um, it's on season three where I get to make a little baby Jesus cameo, if you will. And, um, And it was just it was amazing to be there with Nick Jonas and so many people in the fight world. You got Frank Trigg, um, who was there, and um, I'm trying to think of all the people that were there for the show. Swayze Valentine, who is you know the most amazing and hottest cut person woman in the whole entire world. So um, you know we were just all surrounded by the fight community because that's the one thing about that show is it's it's actors who are trained to fight and Joe Stevenson was the fight uh, choreographer for that. Um, but you know, so you've got a lot of actors, but then you've also got the real life fight world that was there. So um, it was really cool. You got to watch the show to see exactly what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, I that, think, that's it.
0: I think that's so awesome. I was just telling Lisa before we got started that I actually just got into the show. Um, I had seen you post something on Facebook randomly. I don't know how long ago it was, but it was. It could have been all the way back in December, and I saw it. So it was the first time I had seen it. And I remember going home that night thinking, "Okay, well, I'll look it up." And you know, I kind of watched the trailer, and I thought I, I saw Nick Jonas in it. And I was a little offended, not offended. I was just like <laughs> well, who's Nick? He's in a band, a boy. I'm not doing this boy band thing. Having no idea what it was, I was that judgmental bitch. Um, and then Nick I, Jonas can throw down. Well, I didn't know, and now I, I'm like, whoa. Oh, Nick Jonas is kind of hot. I never was into (laughs) Nick Jonas, but I'm like, he kind of bringing it.
1: I have mad respect for him. I really do. Oh,
0: gosh. I mean, he really did bring it. And then I had a guest on last week, and he brought it up again that that was the show that got him through COVID. And so I thought, now I got to get into it. So I'm only in season two, but I cannot stop watching it. It's one of those things where I have probably turned down three three invitations in the past seven days. Cause I'm like, Don't, no, uh-uh, I'm going home. This is where I'm at. And these men, I got to tell you, I'm like getting a little hot and, and I mean, they, whew, there's some, there's some goodness on that show. So
1: they're beautiful and they're legit. I mean, they didn't have to, Just go in there and go through the motions. They train, and uh, so if you're a fighter, like that's that's a show. I just I've told so many people, and they're like, I've binge watched X Y Z, and I'm like, throw this one in the mix. It's it's sneaky addictive, sneaky addictive. It
0: is, and you couldn't have said it better. It's sneaky addictive. That's what it is. Because even my first episode, I'm like, all right, the opener of it without giving it away there's like a little fight in an alley and I'm like this is so cheesy but now like I'm telling you, you will not be able to stop so now that I know Lisa's in season three I'm like I got to get through it that much faster
1: like I said it, it is really a, it's just just a sliver of me so don't get too hyped about it I don't care it,
0: but- <laughs> I don't care I don't care if it's you for one I don't give you walk in the background okay. I don't care my girl's in it so that's what I'm about awesome I'm here to support always um This last couple of years, though, hasn't been super easy for you either. So, you know, when I started this podcast, I wanted it to be about mental health and fitness. That's really where I was going. And I wanted interviews based upon those two factors. Um, And I think most people at some point in their life have experienced both mental health issues and Um, Have used fitness as a way to get through or have, you know, had issues with weight and that weight has affected their mental health. I think the two really go hand in hand. Um, A little side note with Lisa and I before I I asked her to kind of share some of her stuff. Lisa is the only human being on the planet that I was working as a mental health therapist. I went back and got my master's degree and was working at a rehab And I was not getting paid anything. Um, I was getting paid something, but it was a joke. And um, I was training with Lisa at the time. And I'd come in and every week we'd train. I was whining about money and money and money. And Lisa was finally the person that kind of said, you know, here's the deal. We could get you out of this. We could find you something better. And she's one of the reasons why I left mental health. Um, but it never leaves you. It's one of those things, like I'm sure even as a fighter, the fight never really leaves you. So I left mental health working as a therapist because of the pay. Um, I went into a different you know, arena of work with her and I was so grateful for that, but she's the only one that could really get me to move and to see my worth and to see that I could make some more money. I didn't necessarily need to be in that environment. Um, so once again, mental health is a part of what we do here, that being said, we talk about mental health with you. You went through some shit the last couple of years. I want to talk about the shit you went through and how you got out of it. Can you walk us through maybe your last few years?
1: Yeah. Um, so my life has, you know, I like to say I'm a gym rat. You know, I work in healthcare by day and I work in gym stuff at night. So I always say kissing ass by day, kicking ass by night. <laughs> and it's just a, it's a mantra, you know, that I live by. So... Um, One would think that I would have some inside scoop in staying healthy, but not so much. Um, So I would have to say over the last three years, I I think you hit the nail on the head, um, I went through several different things. I changed jobs that I was in after nine, almost nine years, and moved and did this and that, and just you know, same life stressors that the whole rest of the world has. Well, sometimes that'll just play on your immune system, and I've always been prone to autoimmune issues. That's just since I was a year old, so this is nothing new. But I know I got to be careful. I got to take my vitamins, and I got to work out, and you know, do that extra stuff that we're all told to do because um, it hits me harder than than the average Joe. So um, it was just a year because, I I don't know, I I was at a new job where I had to get new shots and, you know, and I'm certainly not an anti-vaxxer or anything, but there was just a plethora of titers and things that I had to get done. And it was all hitting me kind of at the same time. And all of a sudden, you know, I started getting sick. Um, I changed roles twice in the matter of seven months and the company I was working for sold, and it was just stu- stupid stuff, um, but I must have internalized it or something. And um, I ended up with a sinus infection, not a big deal. Went to the doctor, they gave me packages package of Cipro. And um, then a few months later, I had something else. I think it was another ear infection or something. They gave me either Leviquin or Cipro. A few months later, something else with my sinuses, and I've always had funky sinuses. Um, I would have to say in a course of less than eight months, I probably had Cipro or Levaquin a few different times. Um, One day I woke up and went out and about and all of a sudden I felt like my ear popped and it wasn't um, because I actually lost my hearing in my left ear. I kept thinking my ears were stuffy, sinuses X, Y, and Z. Um, well, it went on for about a month and <laughs> it was no longer fun. So I went to an ENT and they were like, yeah, you lost your hearing. Um, let's give you some steroids and, you know, give you injections of steroids in your eardrum, which was really fun. And so next thing you know, um, you know, my hearing comes back. The doctor saves the day. Um, however, I was traveling and every week I travel for work and I was on the road. I woke up in California, and I just thought I woke up to an, uh, an earthquake, and I felt shaking all through my body. And I looked around, and the only thing that was shaking was me internally. Nothing else was, you know, moving. And I was like, oh, kind of weird. It was probably the Red Bull I OD on all the time, so it's got to be it. Next day, I flew to Arizona. I go to do a presentation, and I also wake up just shaking all over. And I'm like, okay, this can't be good. Now I have served on many boards of, you know, Alzheimer's or, you know, I've done stuff for the lung association. So I'm now racking my brain. What the heck have I done? So I go to a neurologist. He checks me out, promises I don't have, you know, Parkinson's or anything else that I was concerned about. And I go about my day. Well, these internal tremors started going and they were going for about three, four months and, the doctors, you know, they have me making sure my diet's good and this, that, whatever. But no one's really concerned. Um, so I finally have a doctor run another set of panels on me. And there was a lot of things really messed up. I don't drink, never have been a drinker. Uh, normal for your liver's like zero to 60. And I was at 600. Um Jeez. Ferritin, which is usually for like iron and stuff like that, normal's you know, still the same range, like zero to 50. I was at 900. I was having weird pains all over my body. So, you know, I'm dealing with it. They're trying to figure it out. And I fly to Albuquerque to give a presentation and... As soon as I get done with the presentation, I haven't eaten anything. I haven't drank anything, but I had another sinus infection. I was on Levaquin, and I told one of my doctors that I was working with, I was like, I think I need to go to the ER. My throat's closing. And they were like, oh, it's probably the altitude. It's this, it's that. And I'm like, no, doc, something's really wrong. So I take a Benadryl. Well, this started a spiral. I ended up um, getting through it, flew home, went to my doctor. They tell me that my ENT... My allergy sends me to ENT, and they tell me that um, I end up having what's called vocal cord dysfunction, and I should try not to talk for a while, which really was a problem because I had to commentate that weekend. The next weekend, I was ring announcing. I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. So long story short, as soon as they started digging into it, they sent me to another neurologist who finally calls, and they say, well, we figured it out. There's, you know, uh, you actually have something called myasthenia gravis, and I'm like, I have no idea what the heck that is. Um, but they said, you know, it's not, it's not any of the 20 million things that you have going on. But um, it is a very rare neuromuscular problem. However, the thing that can bring it on is Cipro or Lavaquin. And it's what's called a black box warning that you're not supposed to give it to a person who has that. So I don't know what came first. The, you know, the chicken or the egg, did I have it? And taking the medication exacerbated it. Or, you know, how actually that worked. So long story short is with myasthenia, you have something, um, the biggest concern, you live, you're not going to die from it unless your throat goes shut. However, my throat started going shut. And it went shut four times last year in June where I was in the ER and finally it got so bad that they had to admit me and give me IVIG, um, which is intravenous immunoglobulin. It takes 100, no, 10,000 donors for one dose. Oh, gosh. And then my leg stopped working. I couldn't walk for about four months, couldn't walk to the mailbox. It was a hot mess. So as I start looking into all of this, you know, not only does myasthenia suck, you know, any type of autoimmune disease is no bueno. But, um, you know, I went to Mayo Clinic. I had the best of the best doctors involved in this. Um and I was on a ton of medication, but I started going and digging a little bit into Cipro and Leviquin And, you know, if anybody follows me on social media, there's a place and a purpose for everything. But Cipro is not indicated for sinus infections or leviquin and they freely give those out. I've taken it a million times. I just think it was the time where my cup ranneth over. Sure. And um, so it's just one of those things that you just got to be careful with because there are more cases. There's a lot of cases. I think it they cause up to 20,000 neurological issues per year based on the medication. So that, that insert that you receive, that's sometimes 30 pages, you know, there's a reason for that. So I would just say, you know, I'm not anti-medication. I'm not anti-anything. I'm just more of a, you you should know this because I work in healthcare. I did not know that, you know, the plus side is, is I went through a storm of stuff. Um, however, I um I will say, you know, I haven't taken any medication since last October. Um, I had great physical therapists, great speech pathologists. I would hate to use the word remission. I just like to think that we've kind of passed that phase in my life and I just have to be very careful moving forward.
0: So is it something you have to, can you have checked or is it something 10 years down the line it could resurface again?
1: It could resurface. I've known plenty of people who, you know, they had it and, you know, it Sometimes, you know, different things in your uh, life can bring it on, and they've gone into remission, and, you know, they're telling me 20 years down the road, they haven't had anything, Um, and then I've seen other people who you see their horror stories, and they're hooked up to IVs every three to four weeks, that's what they wanted to do with me, and um, they wanted me to do um, uh, Solaris, which was uh, a medication and it's—I've heard it's actually fantastic for myasthenia, but um, we just didn't go that route. I was going to try it with diet and fitness. And even though I couldn't walk, I was just like, I don't care if I do something ten minutes a day, <laughs> until I get to the point of being able to work out again, which I do. I now do Muay Thai. I've, you know, I've got a trainer who comes over, and we do that a couple of days a week, and then I do other forms of exercise as well. But it was, you know, it was interesting taking a step back. It was certainly, you know. Not fun figuring it out, but I will say, you know, thank goodness I work in healthcare. Thank goodness I've got kind of that mindset of pushing through and persevering, you know, which is something you do learn from probably any sport that you're involved in so you know in the days where I would have really bad days uh, you know the other thing that I forgot to mention is there was a point where it was probably about a month month or two where I would slur my words and I was like this this is not happening I mean if anything you know give me one thing you know if you're gonna make it so I can't talk let me at least be able to walk or you know but right now this is stupid um so anyways uh, water became my friend and good eating you know followed suit then came exercise and you know I'm I'm back amongst the living is what I like to say. And it just kinda gave me a chance. It was pre COVID, so I got through COVID quarantine even before it was the cool thing to do. Before <laughs> it was the thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. But knowing you and knowing that you're such an active person, I mean, I've you're you're a, a even a single mom. You've held multiple, You know, you hold your job during the day, like you said. You're kicking ass at night. You're commentating on the weekends. You're somebody who never ever ever stops. Now all of a sudden you're forced to stop. That has to mess or interfere with your mental health a little bit. On the days when the you know the words were slurring, the days when you couldn't walk, what was getting you through those days mentally?
1: Um, you know, I just had to find my happy place. I mean, like you do with anything. Um. At first, it was it was coming on so quick, like I couldn't even digest it. I was just like, oh my God, this is it. I mean, you couldn't tell me last June that that was not going to be it. Just because everything was so swollen inside, um, it felt like, <laughs> I will say it was really nice. And, and I am Muay Thai, I'm not Jiu-Jitsu, where I'm choking people out, but I've done enough training with it that... Um, or even getting hit where you're just like okay stay there don't go out but something was putting pressure on my carotid and every time I'd go to the doctor I'd be like someone's putting pressure on my carotid I feel like I'm being choked out they're like I'm sorry this is it's such a weird explanation I'm like I can't breathe, and I'm going to go out if I stand up, and they could not figure out why I had the pressure on there, which was just, it was just an inflammation storm, and again, that is something that Cipro is known for. Some people have zero problems, other people are just lucky like me, so um, you know, I was just kind of dealing with each thing as it came about, um, the slurring of the words, you know, you've seen probably Selma Blair, you know, she has MS, it's it's very similar. Mine wasn't as bad, it just sounded like I had, I don't know, five drinks before I got on a phone with the client and when it happened it happened quickly and my family at first was I remember um, I was working from home my company was like just work from home just do what you can do and uh, I'm on a call with a client 7 a.m because I'm working on some east coast time and um I start to talk and it sounds like I'm noticing it getting slower. Like what the heck is happening And my family? I look over and they look all concerned, but I will tell you the fifth or sixth call when my doctor's like this too shall pass, you know, now they're kind of laughing. They're like, she's going to go. So I I would figure out between seven and 10 is when I might sound a little intoxicated. Um, And so then it was just like, can I push through it? Can I muscle through it? And then the same thing with my legs, I'd be like, I'm just going to go shopping. You know, that should motivate me. And I go into a store and my, my legs would just be like not today oh. and i would look at my daughter she's like oh hell no i'm not carrying you out and i'm like well i'm not going out on a stretcher <laughs> we're getting through this one so you know you kind of have to have fun with it which sounds really ridiculous i ended up you know remodeling my whole house and labor labeling everything i have everything in my house so ocd labeled because i had nothing but time but to sit there and look at my four walls but you know it it gave me time to think prioritize figure out what I wanted to do when I got through this, how I was going to do it. And, um, you know, it was just, it sounds really horrible to say, but I don't hate that I went through it because I probably, you know, we all need a little reset button. I was probably doing too much and doing things that I didn't need to do. And now I don't. (laughs) So it's, uh, it was just a reset button, if you will. And I think a lot of us need a reset button. I think COVID, especially, it's one of the things. Whether
0: we like it or not, we all were forced to reset. Like you said, you got a little pre-pre. Yeah, you had that pre-party. <laughs> you were tailgating basically before the rest of us got on. The game started um, during COVID. Though, was there anything else that you were able to learn, or anything else that you you maybe got to dive into that you maybe you hadn't been able to do before during that time? did you spend more time with your family? Um, was it was it a time of, of darkness for you? How did you? How would you describe your COVID experience?
1: Um, well, considering I started this fun stuff May 2019, when I say I got to jump on it, I got to jump on it. So I was even traveling back in January. I was a trendsetter t- traveling with masks on because I knew I was <laughs> immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I am that statistic that they talk about. Um, you know, I have to laugh because all my friends and even the people on the planes thought I was crazy. Um, but, you know, here we are today. I would have to say that, you know, it was great to have, um, you know, the whole family made extra effort on when we were going to do things together, how we were going to do planned our game nights. Now I have more games than I know what to do with. Um, and I I would just say that, uh, you know, everybody, you know, my son, he works in healthcare. He's an EMT at one of the hospitals. So he's going double time. I work in healthcare. I'm going triple time. Um, but then my significant other, he works in entertainment. His stuff stopped. My daughter, um, is a cosmetologist, her stuff stopped, we all pulled together. And you know, it was just one of those things where you just do what you got to do. I've been saying with all my martial arts training, gun training, executive protection training, and everything else, I was training for the zombie apocalypse. And you know, I, I thought that's what we were going to get. But you know, we got this. So um, you know, we were kind of ahead of the curve.
0: In terms of the apocalypse, let's talk zombie, if, if the world was ending, and we found out during COVID, the zombies were coming, what would have been your weapon of choice?
1: Um, you know, i Am not trained on a sword, but I think I would be digging that whole. Of course, It would just look really cool. If someone like got the footage, they'd be like, "There's, there's Lisa just doing her thing." That and that is so not my thing. You know, I like to throw knives, I and you know. know, I like axes and guns and everything. But you know, I'm gonna need my ammo. I'm gonna need my sword. I'm gonna need my arrows if I'm doing any archery. So yes. yeah, if we could just start chopping people up, let's just you know. We, Got to do what you got to do.
0: Lisa's one of those people, if you bring up anything fun or different to do, um, especially in terms of self-defense, she is the first on board. A couple <laughs> of these places in town obviously have these axe-throwing um, you know, establishments. I mean, Lisa was doing it before anybody was doing it, just getting in there and getting dirty and having fun. Um, once again, there's this contagious energy that she has which is just rainbows and llamas and And unicorns unicorns. (laughs) and unicorns all things unicorn (laughs) that's just who she is so to hear that you've kind of gone through some some different harder times um and come out on the other side I'm not surprised at all because that's just who you are but I love to hear the process and, and how you were able to do that um, we do like to close with a couple questions, and they're kind of the same for everybody. If you could go to a concert today and COVID was not going on, who would you love to see live? What band or what group or what singer, if you were able to get there front row, who would it be?
1: Hmm. Well, I'm I'm gonna say I went to Gwen Stefani last year, and she's just amazing. That's just a show. So um, I'm I'm gonna go back with her. She's pretty badass, and she's got a potty mouth. I love her. Does she have a potty mouth? Oh my god, she makes me you, you and I look like a starter kit.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because we get, we throw some words. What about your movie? What's your favorite movie? I know it's a hard question, but in general, what are one or two or three or number one?
1: Well, an old schooler that I, I go to is, you know, I've only referenced it a thousand times is Karate Kid's my happy place. If I'm stuck in bed, you know, I'm going to do that or, you know, something 16 Candles-ish. Um or anything fighting, uh, you know. There's not one. There's a million of them. If I'm looking them up, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with something like that, or you know, a crime solving. I like to solve the crimes.
0: Um, Cobra Kai, the new one on um, Netflix. You gotten into that at all? I could not love it. Yeah, I kind of ask because either if you're a true fan, I've noticed most people are not into. They find it cheesy.
1: But you know what? I've seen so many of my other friends, and they are loving it. And I'm like, maybe I just didn't watch enough of it. But I tried. <sighs> tread. That's all you can do. Yeah. You said before, you're not a big drinker. If you were to go
0: out and have a drink, what's your drink of choice?
1: Rum and diet. Really? Yeah. Well, honestly, I've had allergies. Like I said, I'm, I'm all medically jacked up. Got so it. I have an allergy to almost all alcohol. So rum and diet, I can, <laughs> I can hang with the best.
0: I actually kind of like that. I think that's kind of a fun one. Your favorite workout. You said you've been doing Muay Thai, but right now, favorite workout.
1: <laughs> Muay Thai. Of course. <laughs> Every time I do boot camps and everything, I'm like, you are literally making me count the seconds of this workout. Muay Thai, I could do it for 500 hours.
0: And I know you train so many people, but when we used to get together in that park, I felt like it was the time went by so
1: quick. That's why I love it. So everything else is painful for me. That's why I actually did martial arts, because everything else is painful for me. And it was fun, man. We had a good time. We should
0: go kick each other's ass again. We need to get some ass <laughs> kicking in. Sunrise <laughs> or sunset, what do you prefer? Um, sunset. Sunset. And if you had to pick a favorite sport to play, what's your favorite sport to play?
1: Hmm. Well, I like to make a contact sport out of everything. Like I used to do softball, and it was my goal in life is to slide in and, you know, cleats up. Of course Take them out. Um, You know, volleyball, I'd be spiking into people's faces. So, Uh you know, I just, and you always got to make it look like. You know, it was accidentally on purpose. Okay.
0: All things contact.
1: <laughs> Favorite sport to watch? Uh, Muay Thai. Of course. Okay. <laughs> I know. It's just a one-track mind.
0: But it's who you are. I just, like I said, it, it and it, the best part is it comes in the prettiest, most badass package. Lake
1: or ocean for you? Um, lake, because I have a terrible fear of sharks. Do you? Oh, my God. I know I'm going to be that person. I got a disease like one in a hundred thousand million gazillion people get. I'll be the one eaten by the shark. I know it. Actually not fully swallowed. Just half of me swallowed. So I get to talk about it. How
0: come I never knew this? That's why I love this show. Things I would have never known. Yeah. Um, If you're going to have candy, I know right now your diet's on looking pretty sharp and good. But if you had to have candy, is it fruity candy or is it chocolate?
1: Uh, Chocolate. And it's actually those little chocolate donuts that I haven't had in so long. But whenever I do a road trip, it's those little cheesy nothings. But I will say, not because it's your sponsor, but Pink Box is the bomb diggity. So, so if good. I'm going to go anywhere and get anything, that is my jam. They're so damn good. And you have a- that
0: Elvis thing. It's the Elvis. Oh. Oh,
1: amazing.
0: Because there's like peanut butter inside. There's all kinds of things going on. Yeah we're going to finish it today. If you came on the show five years, you think this is going to be your only time on the show. It's not, you will be coming back. I'm not even asking. I'm just telling you it's going to be a must. Um, if we were to meet at five years from now, what's going on in five years?
1: Ah, you know, we don't even know five minutes from now. Mm -hmm. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, well, I'm going to have my own little mini version of a farm. Um, You know, right now I'm in the process of, I I had a dog pass away uh, about a week and a half ago, but, you know, I've known for a year and a half what I'm adding. And so, um, you know, I will be getting another one. And then I'm going to also, I just adopted two kittens that'll be ready in a couple weeks. I don't even really, cats are not my jam, but, you know, I'm I'm adding to my farm. And if I need more animals, I'll be grabbing those too. On top of the llamas and the reptiles and the...
0: There's another exotic one you've had. What's the most exotic one you've had?
1: Oh, I had a water monitor. That thing looked like a dinosaur. It That's was what amazing. It was. Um, I will say, the other thing that you asked me about as far as getting through COVID, yeah, and it goes following suit for what I'm doing in the next five years, yeah. but I was having blah days like the rest of us have, so I went ahead and rented my own... Um, My family rented for me um, a petting zoo for a day. So I had llamas show up at my house and little little things like that. So it's on social media. And it was really quite affordable out of going insane. So I was just like, I don't know. That sounds like a great idea. So yeah.
0: Lisa, this is literally why I wanted you to come on the show because I'm t- who who does this who rents because uh, I, I saw the llamas I saw them on social media I mean this is real this is please check out the social media ladies and gentlemen I'm begging you you will not be disappointed Lisa I cannot thank you enough for your time um, for coming on are there any closing words or any closing um, remarks you need to make.
1: No, I think, that I, I'm just going to say, I think this is perfect for you. Um, you know, I know you in every part of your life. And when I heard that you were doing this podcast and everything that you were trying to include, I'm just like, look at Lacey. Now she's doing what she needs to be doing, making the world a better place and uh, looking damn good. I know you don't give yourself enough credit, but uh, you look good. You're smart. You are now doing what you love. So I'm very happy for you. And for everybody else, you know, I'd say the same thing. Go find and do what you want want to do um you know this COVID has taught if it has taught us anything is you know life is short we, there's no guarantees and uh might as well just be happy absolutely lisa came on
0: she talked to us a little about how she got started we learned a little bit about the different tv aspects she's been on her emceeing career or commentating career we talked about healthcare. we talked about her personal health scare how she was just able to persevere and be persistent with herself and her mental health and her fitness to get through it and like I said we will be hearing more of her pink box thank you again for being our sponsor for the day and I hope you guys have a great day thanks so much for listening into the Lacey Alderson show